0: Welcome to Milton and King's On the Wall podcast, where we engage in conversations with artists, designers, and more. Today we speak with Alicia Herman, founding director of Bespoke Letterpress. We hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and review. Hi, Alicia. Can you hear me?
1: Hi, Chris. I can. Can you hear me okay?
0: Yes, I can. Am I pronouncing your name right? Is it Alicia or Alicia? Alicia. Alicia. Okay. Alicia. Great. It's good to good to get that on the outset.
1: Oh, you're right. It's a funny spelling, so it confuses everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I didn't know when I saw it. I was like, Alicia, Alicia. You never know, so I always no. just like to be sure.
1: Yeah. Boring old Alicia. That's me.
0: So um, thanks for uh, hanging out with me today. I appreciate you getting on.
1: Oh, you're welcome. I'm sorry it's taken us so long to uh, coordinate and get everything uh, sorted so we could actually make this happen.
0: Oh, life happens, doesn't it? And <laughs> oh, it things, sure does. Yeah. It sure it's been hectic yeah, but you've had a very uh very exciting and very busy last few months for sure
1: it sure has been it sure has been
0: yeah um let's why don't we get started by just um giving a little bit of background as to where you are now and um what you're up to currently um you're in australia
1: we are yes, yes in the southern and- Highlands.
0: Southern Highlands. Now, I think I do I pronounce it Barrow? Barrow,
1: Barrow, Barrow. yes, Barrow. Barrow. Okay, yes.
0: And it looks like I looked at it up, looked it up on a map, and it looks like it's about halfway between Sydney and Canberra. Is that right?
1: Correct, correct. It's about an hour and a half ish, roughly, from Sydney, and a little bit more to Canberra. So yeah, kind of in the middle.
0: It looks like a beautiful small town. It reminds me a lot of Toowoomba.
1: Oh, it's actually it reminds me of that too. It's stunning. We um we feel so fortunate to live here. It's a beautiful. Beautiful little pocket, and I feel like we're kind of isolated a little bit away from the real world and the hectic cities, but we've kind of got everything here that we also need. So, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful spot to live and to raise a family and have a business, and yeah, we feel very fortunate that this gets to be home.
0: You said it was the highlands, so it's elevations. like. It is.
1: Uh, I think it's uh, like 670 meters above sea level, so it's quite high, um, yeah. so it gets very cold. Um, but a little bit yeah. of snow? Uh, it actually snowed a few weeks ago which in may which is very unusual um we get little flutters every couple of years but yeah not not too much heavy snow but when it does snow it's pretty exciting
0: <laughs> yeah I was reading just in the news that Australia's going through like the coldest on record or something
1: it was yeah the coldest may we've ever had apparently so yes you have to definitely uh, dress warm when you live in the highlands but you can't you get used to it so it's yeah it's it's beautiful I'm we're very fortunate to live here. We're def- we're
0: definitely never leaving. <laughs> yeah, um, Milton and King's headquarters is in Toowoomba, mm-hmm. um, which, if if someone's not familiar that's listening, which is in Queensland, a state on the northern east uh, side of Australia, and which is most people think of um, Queensland as as being really hot, or like Brisbane, very tropical. Mm-hmm. Um, And then you go up to Toowoomba, which is just up the the range, just up the hills there. And it's a completely different climate.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful up through there. It really is. Yeah. I I feel like it's kind of a little bit on par with what we've got here in the Highlands. Probably not quite as cold, but at least it's not as humid, I guess, as you get in. We used to live in Brisbane, so it's not as humid as you get in Brisbane as well up through there. So beautiful. I I, I love that we're both regional. I think it's just a beautiful fusion, you know? Yeah.
0: So you used to live in Brisbane.
1: We did for a while, actually. My husband's a pilot, so we kind of, um, oh, cool. you know, early earlier years used to move around Australia a bit, chasing um, airline careers and jobs for him. Um, ah. So we were based in Brisbane for about five years, um, which is actually where I started Bespoke, so way back then. Um, so, yeah, Brisbane was lovely. We'd love living there, but I like the Highlands better. <laughs>
0: yeah. Did you live, uh, like, kind of in the city of Brisbane or in one of the um, other we were, we were
1: We were just a little bit north of Brisbane, so yeah okay. it it was lovely. We loved living there um it was a great spot to be and yeah i I liked I really liked living in Brisbane. It was almost not the crazy intensity that Sydney is, but it's still a great city with everything a city kind of needs so yeah it was we had a good life living there
0: yeah it's uh, brisbane's one of my favorite cities. I lived there for a little bit as well. Do you get to uh, come
1: to australia much
0: um maybe once or twice a year at this point, I lived yeah. there f- for about six years uh-huh. um just in Brisbane and then in Toowoomba yeah. um, before moving back to the states, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I loved Brisbane. I loved that whole area, and uh, always always really liked it. Like you said, it's it got that big city thing, but not the. It's m- but much more laid back than a place Absolutely. like Sydney.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I um I do much better not in crazy crowds. I feel like I've turned into my mum a little bit. She never liked being, you know, in the hectic city. Which as a kid I never understood because he lived in Sydney, but now I'm like I completely get it. <laughs> just let me hide away from the world and all these thousands of people.
0: <laughs> Give yeah. me my space to
1: breathe. Yeah.
0: Was you said your husband was a pilot? Is he, have he a military is. background?
1: No, no, just commercial airline. So. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So he's still a pilot. Um, but yes, it's it's a busy life we live.
0: Does he f- uh, currently fly internationally or just domestically? Or? Um,
1: mainly domestic. They do a little bit of international, like a bit of Bali and New Zealand and, um, you know, places close to Australia, but not, mm-hmm. not you know, to the other side of the world. So just right. mostly so domestic. He's,
0: so he's not gone from home for too long?
1: A couple of days. Yeah. Probably about four days at a time is the max. Okay. Which is hard when you've got so many kids, but we make do.
0: So many kids. So how many, how many is so many?
1: <laughs> We've got four kids.
0: Four kids, okay. Four kids, and, what are, yes. and what are their ages? Uh,
1: nine, six, four, and eighteen months.
0: Nine, six, four, and eighteen months. Okay, so yes. you have a fairly a, a new arrival. That's, that's yes,
1: little Louie, Yes,
0: blessing the home. <laughs> yes, little okay. Louie.
1: Little Louie, yes, and I think um, I think four is a good place to stop. I feel like we're at our capacity now.
0: At capacity. <laughs> yeah. um, where you Where you live now? Is it? Um, are you on like a, a nice little plot of land there that's a lot uh, of room we, for the kids? And,
1: uh... We've got an acre, an acre of land. So okay. um, we live right in Barrow. Um, so I guess finding uh, smack Ben in the middle of the city of Barrel, they're kind of smaller house blocks. So we're kind of slightly on the edge of Barrel with a bit of space. And, mm-hmm. you know, we look out to the beautiful Mount Gibraltar, which is this beautiful mountain behind us. And yeah, it's beautiful. There's lots of space, lots of space huh? for the kids which is lovely. That's
0: so cool. Yeah, it's a good upbringing for them there, I would Definitely. imagine.
1: Definitely. They don't know how lucky they are.
0: <sighs> yeah, not until they're older. Maybe one <laughs> no. day they'll go back and look <laughs> fondly upon their childhood. I hope so. <laughs> and all, hope and so. all that mom and dad got gave them. Yeah, I hope so. Well, that's cool. Um, is that where – so you, you said you started your, your business while you were in Brisbane, right? Correct, so...
1: correct, yes. Back in um, – 2007, I first started tinkering with the idea um, and started to learn letterpress, and then kind of 2008 was when I officially like registered the business and took on our first clients and started doing the first first bit of work that we did. Um, okay. So it feels it feels like a lifetime ago to tell you the truth.
0: So it was the it was the current concept and everything that it is now. That what you were doing then is what it is now, essentially. No, it wasn't no. a different business or was it No,
1: so yeah, so it was still it was Bespoke Letterpress, but I feel like when I first started, I mean bespoke means to custom make and letterpress mm-hmm. is obviously printed on beautiful old printing presses. So when I first started the business way back then, it was purely custom making letterpress stationery. Um, so, we were doing mainly wedding invitations, and I was just, you know, a one man show. It was just myself doing everything um, mm. and mainly doing custom, you know, invitations. Wedding invitations is the bulk of the work, a bit of business cards and things like that. But yeah, so that was kind of where the business started, which has completely evolved and grown and changed and, you know, had so many different variations since then to what it is now um we don't do wedding invitations anymore um but yeah that's where it kind of that's where it kind of started and then organically grew and changed and morphed and developed and yeah went down a few different paths between now and then um mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's how it originally started
0: That's so interesting. I mean I I looked up a little bit cuz I don't I don't I know very little about printing even mm-hmm. though I'm doing <laughs> a wallpaper, a bit, Chris. <laughs> yeah, even though I'm doing a wallpaper <laughs> podcast, but in terms of especially what you're talking about, the old school way of printing. Yes. Um, what caused you to get interested in it? Get
1: into it. I think, so I'm a graphic designer and I've always been a graphic designer. And I yeah. think that prior to us moving to Brisbane, I worked in Sydney and I was working uh, crazily in the film industry as a graphic designer. So I was working for so 20th Century Fox, which was, you know, back, this is in the very early 2000s. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of when DVDs were in their heyday, I suppose. Um, and I was working as movies got released by 20th Century Fox and I was working here in Australia and creating the, um, the advertising and the promotion and the marketing and the packaging materials that came out as a movie got released. And so it was just crazy, like it was insane, and I feel like that was an incredible job to have as a young twenty-year-old graphic designer. That was, a, you know, huge responsibility. That sounds um, awesome. It was, it was pretty cool. I mean, I feel like that that wouldn't exist now. Like, I feel like it's such a different era now than what the movie industry was back then. Um, yeah, poor but, DVDs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That was even before, like, you could download movies off the internet. Like, even that didn't exist. It was just a completely different world. Yeah, um, now
0: they now they live in a now, – now you only find DVDs at yard sales and oh, truck stops I know.
1: I know. And I feel like I've tried to explain to the kids what I used to do. And it's like it's such the most foreign concept that they just do not fathom, you know. don't yeah. Don't – can't understand it. But anyway, so I was, I was working with 20th Century Fox and based in Sydney and – Um, they were my client and it was it was insane and the their printing budgets were huge and I feel like back in that day so I'd be designing packaging like that would go into your supermarket and your department stores and anywhere everywhere that was selling DVDs and you know the related merchandise and promotion that came out with the movie and I think that it was quite an era where it was almost like throw every different possible printing technique at a product to make it jump out on the shelf so
0: would create Mm.
1: a a packaging design that would, you know, be four-color CMYK, but then it would have, you know, like four or five different finishes and foils and metallics and like all this crazy stuff that was going on. And the budgets were huge. Like it was unlimited kind of what we could put on a package to make it stand out. So it was just throwing so much money at making these insane packages and ideas and printing techniques. And it would work and they would sell and, you know, it was just making these huge companies even richer. And I think that was just a bit soul-destroying a little bit, I suppose, and... I just felt quite detached from. I was sitting all day at my desk, designing something and coming up with these incredible ways of using print to make these great things that would jump out and create a tangible product. But I wasn't actually handling that tangible product. So I was literally just chained to my desk the whole time. So mm. I think I felt quite detached from the process. I suppose. So I think I just had this yearning to kind of I don't know get my hands in there and and just get a bit inky and. Um, you know, kind of be the one to come up with the idea, but then also print the idea, which is, its in retrospect, it's kind of crazy. I was just like, you know, sure, why not? I'll teach myself letterpress printing. Why not? Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how it all came out. I think I was just commercially burnt out and, you know, I think I needed to get off a computer and I needed to be doing something with my hands and, you know, I loved print and I love design and I, it just seemed like this really beautiful Fusion and, I, I don't know, it seems so corny, but it kind of just something was telling me it's what I was supposed to be doing. Um And so I think that when we were moving then to Brisbane for my husband to start a new a new um, position up there with a different airline, I think it kind of gave me the permission to turn around and go, okay, well, what is it I want to do and, you know, how do I make this happen? And, yeah, it was kind of the beginnings, beginnings of everything, I suppose. So, yeah, that's kind of how it started. It's because, interesting yeah,
0: how you... um talked about how your initial experience being a graphic designer was a bit soul-sucking because even though you're designing these things you didn't have I guess you sort of did it and then you would forget about it and then something else would come down the assembly pretty much
1: pretty much yeah and then a couple months later I'd just get this delivery on my desk of this incredible thing i would designed and it's yeah there was just this disconnect from creating on my computer to then feeling it you know, months later, I was like, who made this? What was the process? Like, how did this thing go from being on my desk to now <laughs> this box I'm holding in my hands?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose like, I, I guess the question that I have is, you know, let's say you're you're designing and you're creating and you go, okay, well, I want to have more of a connection with, with the items that I'm creating. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to create my own stuff, whether it's, yeah. like you said, wedding invitations or something like that. Why? Why did you decide to go like, and rather than just being like, well, I'm gonna design and then get them printed, or I'm gonna design mm-hmm. and and you know use the most modern technology? What? What was the? <laughs> why was it like? What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go back to oh, the 1800s. I'm crazy,
1: Chris. That's why. <laughs>
0: was it just a fa- <sighs> was it just a fascination like with the mechanical element I of it I think
1: so I think so and I think back then no one was doing letterpress in Australia like it just did not exist and I feel like there was a few letterpress companies that were in the states um, that had kind of gone through the same process that I had was starting to be like, oh, there's this really cool machine. I'm going to learn how to use it. Um, but there was there was just no one in Australia. And I feel like there was a couple of, you know, old old print shops that had been around for decades. They would have a letterpress or a Heidelberg sitting in the back corner, but they literally were doing nothing with them. Um, or if they were, they were kind of die-cutting and just thumping thump the crap basically out of paper with them and destroying the presses. Um, hmm. But there was just no one doing it. And I think in my mind, I'm like, Something has to be a challenge to excite me to want to do it, and I feel like if it's too easy, I'll get bored and you know it won't keep me um, it won't get me enthused and motivated. So the harder it is, the more I guess I kind of thrive on the challenge of it. Um, so so yeah, and I think I'd just come across Letterpress, and you know the machinery was beautiful and my dad he um, they had a family earth moving construction business with huge machinery and trucks and all sorts of fascinating stuff. So as a child I'd kind of grown up around machinery and grease and oil and you know that kind of land Um, and I guess Mm -hmm. I'd kind of seen from these big ugly machines that my dad and their their business would use that create you know these great things so I don't know I guess maybe deep down somewhere inside of me I kind of had this love for old rusty not rusty you don't want to use rusty but um, you know old oily machinery potentially so yeah so it kind of started and then I felt like you know letterpress then once we started as the years went on it became more common and popular and lots of other young designers then were like oh I'm going to learn letterpress as well so it kind of became a bit more of a trend um Mm -hmm. but I absolutely didn't do it for a trend or it it just didn't exist I guess we kind of paved the way a little bit maybe for you know other designers to see that's a way of them to design and produce their own work um Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was it was so much harder. It was so hard, <laughs> physically hard and mentally hard. And, you know, to make these really old machines, first of all, work, um, so you've got to restore them, but then also to try and use this old machine, which prints very slow and it's very hard and you're printing one colour at a time and one sheet at a time and the process is incredibly slow. But to try and make a commercialised product using that technique, you know, it was a huge huge learning curve that took years and, years and years and years and years to get our formulas and yeah
0: yeah it's, So how it's, did you been how
1: did being a bloom process
0: How did you um or what what, what was like the first I well, let me ask this do you still yeah, have course. the very first letter press that you used
1: The first printing machine yes but yes we do first printing press yes he's a Charlie is his name he's an 1893 um, Chandler and Price so it's a foot traded press you'd pump it with your foot to make the press roll into motion it was super old school <laughs> super yeah. super old school yes we still got it I don't use it anymore um but I've still got okay. him I don't think I could bring myself to part with him because I feel like he and I went on such a journey and he was a cranky old bastard of a press but <laughs> we, we we got a happy medium there working together
0: okay yeah because I was I did I went visited your website and I saw that you have that it listed seven different printing Mm -hmm. machines Mm -hmm. and you gave them all names. We did. Yeah. And um, so you said Charlie was the first one. Uh Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I I was just trying to understand like the process of like, where, where did you find it? What did you have to do to it to get it Uh, to where it was going to be a functional thing that you're going to, this is what you're going to use to start your business.
1: Yeah. it, It was a lot, a lot of trial and error and, um, I ended up getting a, and just by, it was just fate, really. I feel like that brought us together. But back when I was trying to learn how to do letterpress and even when I was trying to find my first press, I was reading around, you know, printing museums everywhere I could find and anyone who I thought would have any connections to be up to me be up to buy an old printing press. Um, and through that process, I guess word kind of got out amongst all this network of old, old printers. Um, mm. that, you know, I was really itching to learn letterpress and I managed to find my first press by someone contacting me. They were based down in Canberra, so we still live in Sydney, and they were a bookbinder who has closing up their business. The, you know, they had their business for decades and decades. And they're retiring and closing up and selling up all their equipment. And they had this old Chandler and Price sitting in the back corner that they'd not used in, you know, like 40 years. Um, that was sitting in the back corner. So they contacted me. So that's how I ended up getting him, the first press. Um, But through that network of me trying to, you know, work out how on earth I was going to do this, I ended up getting contacted by um, a gentleman called Bob who lived in Brisbane. Um, And he was an old retired press printer. And he had kind of uh, heard that I was interested to learn. And I think he was was really keen to share his knowledge because I felt like he could see that it was a dying art form. You know, he'd been... um, Uh, so he was a letterpress printer that then as time went on letterpress got phased out and offset got brought in so he'd kind of been through that himself in a personal capacity professional capacity in his career Um, but he could see that you know he had all this knowledge as a letterpress printer but he was getting a lot older and that you know he kind of felt that he wanted to share that knowledge because once he went you know and his generation went the knowledge on how to print would be gone so um, yeah. he heard that I wanted to learn and kind of took me under his wing and together we kind of tinkered and learned and I used to go help him in his um, rusty old shed um, and yeah learn how to I guess how to restore these presses but also how to make them work in a modern context as well um, so yeah it, it just seems like forever ago that that was happening. Um, but that's kind of how yeah. it began. So we kind of learned together. So he fused, we fused his traditional ways with my modern design and tried to work out how we could obviously work and come up with ways of doing things because I guess the materials that you used to have, you know, back in the, you know, 1930s, 40s, 50s, whatever, you know, they don't exist, those materials anymore. So to problem solve together. So... That's how it all yeah, started. So wonderful, thinking. Bob. He went on, yeah, he went on to teach quite a few other people how to print, which is amazing. So, his legacy continued.
0: That's amazing. I it was just thinking, like, you know, restoring something old like that. It's mm. not like you can just find parts anywhere. No. Like <laughs> to be able to to restore something like that, just finding the parts that would work with something like that. Yeah. Like uh, I don't even know where you would begin, or is it all just sourcing? Old used stuff, or is it making new things that work with this uh, old machine? It's mainly trying to
1: source, mainly trying to source, and I feel like a lot of the old um, print shops that would have these printing presses sitting in the back corner. A lot of the time, they'd have you know old timber cabinets and tight drawers, and you know just full of random bits of pieces that they had had sitting there for years. So it would almost be like rummaging through everything that they had to try and find you know the missing one thing you're trying to trying to source, but yeah, luckily, um, as we went on to get more presses, I became a little bit more cluey to what we were looking for. So I made sure that when we were acquiring presses that I was trying to find ones that were in the best possible condition. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of helped the process. You know, if, you, if you're starting with one that's kind of missing a whole heap of stuff to start with, you're kind of, <laughs> you're never really going to get to where you want to go. So, yeah. yes, so that was kind of the origins of us and Letterpress and yeah.
0: Looking at the printers on your website, it Mm -hmm. looks like three—the the the three that are from the 1800s are all U.S. made, and Mm -hmm. all the ones from the 1900s are from Germany.
1: Germany, yes, correct. Yes, yes, they made amazing machinery. The Germans, the precision's incredible, incredible.
0: So, what is the? um, So you got? So I'm looking just reading off your site here. So you got Charlie, which is the original, then you have Edward and Werner, Mm -hmm. and then you have Polly, Ernst, Helga, and Herbie. (laughs) um what are the differences between these different printers because they seem like if you look at herbie for example which says it's Uh a 1973 heidelberg ink press yeah um the technology on that would obviously be way different than it is absolutely yeah so yes or do you still use the old, like the old ones? No, for not the it? old,
1: not the old, old, old ones. No. So as okay. time went on, and then we started to print more and. Um, obviously the foot treadled presses are very slow so using a heidelberg which is motorized it's a quicker obviously it's still slow but it's quicker than a foot treadling press Um, and you can just have a little bit more precision and then kind of as time went on so when we first when I first started doing letterpress and it was just me it was all ink everything was ink based Um, and as time then went on I started to really develop a love for foil printing so which Mm -hmm. we can do on the heidelberg presses we um, purchased a foiling unit which was like a retrofitted uh, adaption that we could put on the press um, which then let us heat up the press to like 115 110 degrees um, which then allowed us to transfer foil onto onto paper so as time went on I really really got a real tickling for (laughs) for to be foil and um, kind of merged us over time so then we stopped using ink and we were purely just just foil printers rather than ink printers for a few different Mm -hmm. reasons I feel like foil printing was technically harder so I feel you know, for me, it has to be a challenge. If I get bored, I, I just get bored, and I'm not going. I'm not going to want to do it. Whereas foil printing would always, 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 you know, mess with your mind a little bit trying to problem solve. Yeah. So I enjoyed the challenge, but it was also, it was also neater and, and cleaner. So printing with ink on old printing presses is very messy, um, whereas using foil yeah. would be a much cleaner process as well. So yeah, so as time went on, we started to, you know, not use ink so much as start to use foil so much to the point that we then kind of didn't use ink at all. Um, And we're purely just using foil, which is kind of where we've landed today.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I was, I would just YouTube some videos of these old Chandler and Price um, Mm -hmm. presses. And it is, I mean, like for those listening, like you are pushing like a pedal to make this wheel turn. Yes. It's very physical and that. What do you call that circular plate where the ink goes? Is there a certain name for it? Oh, like the ink
1: disc, yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah. It is very physical. And back in those early days, this is like 2007, 2008, 2009, during that era, and the um, foot tread press was all I had. I didn't have any Heidelbergs yet. So I used to – and you could always um, – you'd have to pump it with your right your right leg so I yeah. remember I used to spend so much of my life pumping this press that I ended up getting these huge leg muscles on just my right hand <laughs> thigh, but then my left thigh became really skinny because <laughs> I was so out of proportion. So I remember I used yeah. to wear jeans and, you know, it'd be so tight on my right hand thigh and then, you know, baggy on my left hand thigh. So How it's fun. an absolute, absolute workout. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm too old now. Like, you know, I was in my twenties then. I could do it, but oh, the thought of having to print like that now, it just, well, oh, I don't know. you you find your,
0: Did you find yourself switching legs? Like would you? No, know, you like, couldn't. Well, not you today. couldn't. No, you, oh, you couldn't.
1: Just the way it was, and yeah, it was just always, always in your right leg. So,
0: when you were yeah. using those old presses, were you doing multicolor on that as well?
1: I, I yeah, it's stupid me. I would. Um So you'd have to, you know, ink it up with one color, feed, yeah. hand feed it through, pump it through with one color, clean it all down, change the color, do it all over again. So yeah, it was it was a lot of hard work. I feel like I learned a lot in the process, but I, I don't yeah. want to go back to doing that. I feel like it's yeah. It, it, yeah, I was younger and fitter and yeah, had more time up my sleeve clearly back then than what I do now.
0: <laughs> yeah. How did you, I mean, I, I guess, you know, even though you have a, a fairly young child now, um, how did you sort of balance, you know, having the kids and starting a business and where, how did you find time to do uh, was... these things and...
1: It was tricky. I feel like when I started the business, I was 20, oh, was I like 26, 27? We didn't have children yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I was able to kind of do all that hard foundation work pre-children. I mean, it was still so hard having children. We've grown so much since the kids have been born. Um, but it was hard struggle. And I feel like, um, so I had my first child in 2013. And by that point, we had quite a few staff members. And I think, had we opened our first store? I'm not sure if we had, or oh, it was soon. Um so there was a lot happening. So I think trying to juggle, you know, motherhood and a baby and your first baby. And he was, he was pretty full on, but you know, being your first baby always is. Um, but definitely of all my four children. My first was definitely the hardest. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was hard. And I felt like it took, it took a lot of balance. And I think that, you know, you've always, I've always got the mum guilt always, you know, like I don't have enough time for the kids and spend enough time with them. But at the same time, I've got this business and so many staff now that you know, we're responsible and accountable for and, yeah, it, yeah, it's hard to balance. It's it's so hard to balance. But I just I hope that the kids grow up and they're inspired. You know, I hope that they can see that. You know, even though you can have these absolutely insane, crazy ideas, that if you work really hard at them and, um, you know, you give it your all and you you know you problem solve and you don't let the tough stuff get you down, that you know you can make great things happen. So, I hope they're inspired. Oh, <laughs> I hope I'm sure,
0: so. I'm sure they will be. Um, I'm looking at these printers and yes. thinking. Before you opened your store, were you just Mm -hmm. working out of of home?
1: So we've actually moved the studio around a few times, which is hard because there's such big machines to move around. So when we first started, when I first started in Brisbane, um, we had a Queenslander house. You lived in Brisbane, so you probably know the Queenslanders, Um, you know, the raised timber houses. Um, Mm -hmm. So we had the studio under the house. Um, so we lived upstairs and we put the studio in under the house. Um, so that was at home. Then when we moved to the Southern Highlands, and I think one of our big themes as well, when we were moving to the Southern Highlands, it probably took us about two years to find the right spot for us. We knew we wanted to be in the Highlands. We just didn't know where we wanted to buy, um, because we're trying to find somewhere where I could operate the business from. So eventually, did you you know
0: that you, when you went there, did you know that you were going to end up opening a store or did you just think, I'll still just do this no, yeah. House. Yeah,
1: I just thought it would still be at the house. So we were trying to find somewhere that had a detached studio, so a separate building to the main house because by mm-hmm. that point we had staff members. So I didn't really – I wanted to be able to separate our home life from business life. Um, so we were looking for a, a property that kind of had a separate studio or a separate cottage or somewhere where we could, you know, crane these presses into, which is <laughs> a hard feat. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, run the business. So we ended up eventually finding a place we bought in Barrow, which is, which is perfect and it's worked out so well for us, but it had a little studio out the front and the main house at the back. So the little studio at the front was, I guess, the original cottage on the property before our house had been built. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up running the studio out of there, but we only were in there for about, oh, I'm going to say about two years before we'd out- absolutely had outgrown it. Um, the business had grown too much by that point and. Yeah, and then we went down the crazy – I don't know if you know, we opened a cafe, which – oh, my goodness, crazy. Um, we opened a letterpress cafe here in Barrel in oh, – hmm. was it 2016, I think it was? So by that point we wanted to open a store and we were trying to find a location to have a store in Barrel and we couldn't find one. And there was this development happening, which was amazing, and we were like, that would be great, we want to put a store in here. Um, but the only way we could put a store because that position in that building development had been designated as a cafe – so the only way we could get that site is by also opening a cafe. So we just like, yeah, why not? Let's open a letterpress cafe. Um, yeah, don't ever do that.
0: <laughs> is it? Do you still have that now? <laughs>
1: no, no. We end up selling that. Oh, okay. So um, we sold that business in uh, – uh it was during the pandemic i'm i don't i can't remember what year it was 2020 21 i'm not sure we sold it and we sold it to an amazing um local family who've already got a cafe so they bought it as a second cafe which is great because they knew how to operate a cafe unlike us who were just you know hoping for the best
0: Um, yeah you always you you know you, you often see cafes that are that'll you know, they'll have their, obviously their primary business is their cafe and then uh-huh. start selling stationery in it. Absolutely. You do the opposite. Absolutely. You had your stationery. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then started selling coffee.
1: We did. Absolutely. And I mean, it was beautiful. Like, I love the process of creating that space. It was stunning and it was the most beautiful cafe. And, you know, the whole process of creating the idea and the concept and the branding and the you know, the experience and the ambience that was in there. And I think part of our mindset as well was we wanted to make, we had all these beautiful printing presses. We wanted the public to see them. Mm. So we're like, well, you know, if we have this amazing cafe and this big glass wall, it's almost like when you've got a roastery or a brewery and you go see, you know, they're making it behind glass. Like, oh, we'll do the similar type of idea. Creating an experience. Absolutely. And it, it was a beautiful experience, but, oh, you know, I felt like it was amazing for the consumers, but as the owners and operators, it was hell on many levels
0: (laughs) was it just spreading yourself too thin it was it was
1: way too thin and we had little tiny babies i think i um elsie that's our second born she was literally like a week old and i had her in there doing the fit out for the cafe and you know it was it was just too much it was way too much and trying to run two businesses so one's at hospitality where it's very instantaneous you know someone orders a coffee and they want it you know two minutes later Versus back then we're still doing custom stationery. So you were working on like this one to two year time frame difference with clients. So it was, it was just, it was too much. And they, there were two polar opposite businesses and trying to manage both of those to run concurrently was just, it was just hectic. So I would imagine
0: too, yeah, I was just going to say, I would imagine too that like, you know, when you're, you're starting your business, you're getting up and running, even though at this time you'd been doing it for years still, Yeah. but you're, you're always still feeling like you're getting going, you know? Absolutely. And that's and i was just thinking like you know you be, in some ways you have to be so singularly focused mm-hmm. to make yeah. something like that happen to begin with to be yeah. like perfecting your methods and and sourcing your materials and just all those things that you have to think about to perfect your business and then all of a sudden you're going to do it all of a sudden now you're going to be a coffee <laughs> guru you know what i mean how do you to i do be love able to coffee focus, don't get me wrong yes oh yeah. yeah you know many people do but to make it all of a sudden that's just as much of a focus as your yeah, press. It was, it's like, it, it doesn't so seem hard. like there's room for it.
1: No, there wasn't room for it. And I feel like it was a really hard decision to let it go because it was this beautiful baby we'd built. And it was such a beautiful experience and people would love it and people would travel to the highlands just to come. And people were always giving us comments and feedback. And, you know, it was stunning and beautiful and everything about it was amazing. But just having to run it whilst also running our other business, plus having little children, plus my husband who's away all the time, it was just too much. Yeah. So we kind of got to the point where we're like, we are broken. We are so broken. So we ended up um, selling it. And I think in retrospect, it was probably the best thing we could have done because then, as you said, it gave me the ability to come back and go, okay, well, this is my baby. Like this is my my first true love, bespoke Spoke Press, and I need to put all my energy back into it. And, you know, what what have I? What has it missed out on all these years? Because it kind of got a bit pushed to the side, I felt like, in, in that era.
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: so and then from that moment on, I felt like when I could then come back into back into bespoke fully and then obviously then we had the pandemic. So my husband being an airline pilot, he was not flying anywhere. Um, so he was home for a very long extended period of time, um, which was hard because he didn't get my income. But, you know, it gave us time and clarity and space for me then to go, OK, well, what is bespoke? And how do I now... Put all my energy back into it and how do i now want bespoke to look and feel and you know i feel like it has grown and improved so much since that era and just having that brain space back i mean yeah. then we've gone and had a couple more children <laughs> in that mix but yeah, yeah. I, I was able to get the best of bespoke back i think
0: I did think you feel a like a
1: stronger business now yeah
0: did you feel like though when, when you did have the the coffee shop mm. did you feel like it helped the bespoke letterpress business at all, either by just bringing awareness to it? Like, was there any advantage to it or was it all just an energy drain?
1: I think it definitely would have brought awareness. And I think that a lot of people would walk into the cafe and wouldn't even know that, you know, we had a stationary shop and we had letterpress at the back. And, you know, so it definitely would have built some awareness around the brand. But whether that awareness was worth the mental drain, I'm I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess at some point, at some point the return ends up being... No, you're like mm. it's 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 uh, benefiting you to a point and then at some point it must drop off and you're yes. like, okay, well, at this point it's I'm not doing what I yes. should be doing. Yeah,
1: I mean, we've def- we definitely learned so much in that experience and, you know, I don't regret it by any means, but I feel like it definitely has given me so much more clarity since then. And I think it also taught me as well that, you know, I feel like I probably get lost on these tangents and I get these great ideas. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. You know, as I said before, if something's hard, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's probably taught me a little bit of a lesson to like, you know, slow down and really think about it and be okay, well, is this what my expertise is? And if it's not my expertise, then <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be wasting my energy on it. Um,
0: and yeah, yeah, as I said,
1: the cafe is now owned by the most beautiful people who've, you know, an absolute hospitality professionals. So, they've taken it and they've grown into something incredible and amazing. So, Yes, right. it, it was definitely an era, but I feel like we're definitely in a better place now and I feel like it's given me a lot more time now to focus on making amazing prints and designs and products and, you know, the stuff that I really love and that brings me joy, so.
0: Yeah, and so now, you know, here you are and you've got um, three locations, right? Mm-hmm. You've got yes. the one in Barrow, one in yep. Sydney and one mm-hmm. in Canberra. Yes, um,
1: yes, and hopefully one more, but I can't tell you where that is just yet. That's in oh, the exciting. Yes.
0: Is it out of the state, out of New South Wales or in it New is, South Wales? It
1: is out of New South Wales.
0: Oh, fantastic. Mm, yes. Um, so did you start with the one store and then eventually, oh, I need to, you know, we're expanding. Like, what was the second store? I'm guessing Barwell was the first one.
1: No, actually, so our store in Sydney was the first. So Strandar Cage oh. was the first store. So um, I remember this, and this is probably back in that era when I was really busy. I think I had a little baby and... Strand Arcade had contacted us a couple of times about just doing a little pop-up, and at the time I was like, we've never opened a store, I don't have capacity, I can't even think about that, that just seems so hard, we don't have staff, like I kept on just saying no, which is terrible in retrospect. Um, but eventually I think I was just like, okay, you know what, they keep on asking, let's let's do this, so we popped up for Christmas I think it was 2015, actually. We did a Christmas pop-up um, there for a couple of weeks, and it was amazing. And I don't know if you know the Strand Arcade building, but it is just – it is stunning. Yeah. It is absolutely so, so stunning. Mm-hmm. So we did a pop-up for Christmas. Then we packed down, and I remember we were there on Christmas Eve, and my dad was there, and my husband was there. And we were all packing down this, this shop at, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning on <laughs> Christmas morning. It was hectic. Um then we popped up again for Mother's Day and then I think we just stayed. So, you know, Australian Arcade loved having us there and we loved being there and we've just kind of been there ever since. So that was the first store. Um, and then then the next store would have been when we opened up the cafe um, and that would have been our barrel store. So when we sold the cafe, we then – and also timing. I feel like fate is such a big thing in – like I believe in things happening when they're supposed to happen. So when we sold the cafe and we were just going to close up the barrel store and not have a store at all in our hometown and then this perfect – perfect shop came up for lease and I literally saw it one night and the next day we'd signed the lease and um (laughs) we ended up moving oh my goodness I remember we moved so um is in a big town but the main street like the main strip is probably I don't know how many 500 meters long maybe I'm not sure how long the main strip of town is but it's got all stores either side so the cafe was at one end and our new stores at the other end and so we had to kind of dismantle this store from the cafe and wheel it up the middle of the main street and wheel the presses up, <laughs> up the main street um, wow. into into the new into the new store, you know, during the middle of the night because you can't do it when there's traffic around. Um, so, yeah, so we ended up getting our new Barrel store, which we've been in ever since. Um, and it's a much better location and it's much better exposure and all around us much better. So then, yeah, so then we've had Barrel. Um, we've got – we opened the store in um, – Canberra last year Um, and then each Christmas we've also done pop-ups in um, Chatswood Chase in Sydney as well so yeah a few different locations.
0: Very nice and so the uh, what were the initial um, net? you know I I guess before Canberra but you know Mm. you've been operating for a little bit at the at the capacity that you're at Mm -hmm. Um, what were like the initial sort of um, products that were your sort of main your main focus, was it the, like the greeting cards, the stationery?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely greeting cards. And I feel like that's kind of how it all kind of evolved that I ended up moving from being a service-based business where I was, you know, creating custom stationery for someone to being a product-based business, which is what we are now. Mm-hmm. Basically back, and this is back in the 2000s and I don't know what, 2008, 9, 10, that era, Um this is back when we are deep doing wedding stationery. And I remember I used to get beautiful retail stores who would contact me directly and be like, can you please just do cards? Like, can you please just make some stationery? Can you please make some greeting cards? We're importing all letterpress cards currently from the States because there was no one in Australia who was making letterpress cards. Um, Mm -hmm. We'd really just love to have Australian made. But can you please do some, please, please, please? I'm like, I don't want to make cards. Anyone can make cards. Making a card isn't hard. Um, But I was like, okay, all right. They keep on asking and keep on asking. So I'm just going to say yes. So we did a very small collection of greeting cards, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. And I, from greeting cards, we kind of then started doing – actually, we bought out double-sided gift wrap, which um, that was kind of our next big product we did. And back then – I feel like so many people have now taken this idea and they do it as well. But back then, double-sided gift wrap did not exist at all. And I remember just thinking, you're, you're printing um, you're printing on one side of the paper. Yeah, it costs more to print on the other side, but why don't you? Like, why keep the back of this paper – blank um right. you know put a beautiful design on it and so then we came up with double-sided gift wrap and it just went crazy and people loved it and you know as I said every man and his dog now does double-sided gift wrap but back then no one did mm-hmm. and so it kind of grew from then and then we started doing you know more 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 product-based things and notebooks and um journals and then planners and linens and it's just it's just grown ever since
0: from That's then so cool. basically yeah yeah what would you say is the is the biggest seller out of all the products for you at the at the moment? Oh,
1: gift wrap is always popular. Gift wrap always okay. sells well. Um, I don't know. It's a real mixed bag, and I feel like as our as our product offering has expanded, I feel like it's opened up our products to more different buyers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of I'd say most of our business is gift based. So it's people buying things as a gift or buying it to give or um, buying it to wrap and you know present in that gifting sector. So, but I feel like as time's gone on, potentially some of our products we've bought out have been a little bit more personal. So it's more people buying it for themselves as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um. At what point did you? I, I imagine that because I noticed you have a for the home section. Hmm. And so that's got linens and napery. Hmm. Um. Was that is that a more recent? addition to your product offerings
1: it is we started doing linens I'm probably thinking probably about two two to three years ago we can't print on linen so there's there's quite a few products that we can't manufacture ourselves um mm-hmm. so those we outsource to amazing people who, who manufacture those for us um so the linens is one of those because um, you can't print <laughs> fabric on an old printing press um yeah But yes, that was a couple of years ago. And I think it was part of me was like, we've got these stunning prints. And once I've created something that's such the most beautiful artwork, and I spend so much time creating this absolutely stunning design, and I'm absolute perfectionist. So nothing ever happens quickly. By the time I've got this beautiful artwork at the end, and I've put it on a greeting card, and then I've taken bits and pieces and extract elements out and made a greeting. um, Sorry, I put it on a gift wrap, and then I've extracted out elements, and I've made a complimentary greeting card that goes, but it's not the same, but still complements each other. And I kind of got to the point where I was like, I've got these stunning prints and I'm like, I need to find ways in which people are going to want to keep them, you know? So if they put on a Mm -hmm. gift wrap, they give that out or if they put it on a card, they give that to someone else. But, you know, a tea towel is something which people put in their kitchen and then they can admire it and, you know, yeah, yeah, they might still gift it, but it's also something that they can then continue to look at the beauty. So I think in my mindset, and this is also post-cafe when I started then have more brain space to think about these things, I was like, well, what other things can I do where people actually get to admire this beauty that we've created more so than just, you know, wrap a present and then throw it in the recycling bin at the end of it. So right. that's kind of how the whole home section came about.
0: I guess that's that's something I didn't really think about is a lot of the products are, are for lack of a better term, are more temporary. Mm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which
0: is funny well, but because I still <laughs> – I tend to keep uh, – greeting cards <laughs>
1: oh you're a sentiment What's yeah <laughs> I,
0: yeah I tell you, he can find a memory box of like cards that i got you know for my mom for my birthday like 10 years ago and that's um, true though yeah so but yeah but but truly yeah especially when you're getting into you know calendars and things like that uh-huh. I guess yeah. people do sort of they'll discard them or recycle Absolutely. them or whatever it is yes. after a while so yeah yeah well, I yeah, a lot of
1: people do a lot of people do tell me that they buy it and they love it so much they can't ever read themselves to gift it to someone else. I'm like, oh please just give it. Yeah. <laughs> Grab something, make it beautiful, put it out in the world.
0: <laughs> oh, <funny.
1: laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, so um yeah, I'm just going through the different products here on your website. They're they're absolutely beautiful. Um Thank you. I would love to get into a little bit uh of the actual design and, mm-hmm. and that whole process. because uh, sure. that's obviously where um, you 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 cross paths with Milton and King, and and yes. we get into the wallpapers and things yes. like that. Very so um, yeah, we we are too. It's been very very well received. We just got back oh, from fabulous. the um, IF, is it ICFF um, uh-huh. convention in New York, and uh-huh. it was a big hit among oh, a lot fabulous. of the uh, interior designers and things that were coming by and checking out the booths. Amazing, so, amazing. Yeah, so so it went it went really well. Um, but yeah, so just to give the listener a bit of background so you worked you worked with other artists in this was there a reason why you yes. didn't just design these i mean you're a graphic designer that you just didn't do these yourself um, but you decided i didn't i want to work with these other artists
1: absolutely and i feel like that's kind of something that's kind of just fused over the years in terms of my personal preference of creating things and i think that originally back in the early days of bespoke and you know, I was designing everything, and I was drawing everything from scratch, and you know, I was completing everything. But as time went on, it's almost like you kind of get yourself into a bit of a um, aesthetic bubble, I suppose. So mm-hmm. the things that I used to draw and create. Over time, they kind of all, in my mind, I mean, probably not to the consumer's mind, but in my critical mind, they all kind of started to look the same. And I guess I was just getting bored of what I, what my own ability was, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So I think as time's gone on and it's, it's kind of, it was never something that I intentionally set out to do, but it's kind of just started and it's gone so well. And I absolutely love, love, love the process of working with other artists. It's it's kind of something that we've kind of fused into now. That's what we are almost. So, a lot of the time, I'll work. I'll find an I'll find an incredible artist who someone who I admire or um, someone who. A lot of time, it's on Instagram. I see I see their work, mm-hmm. um, and then I will reach out to them. These days, we get a lot of um, surface pattern designers reach out to us. Um, but I tend to go with the people who I, I find only because I feel like I see an artist's work and it's just my gut just talks to me straight away and I see it. I'm like this, this, this is our consumer and this is our market and this is I can see the products and I get really excited about that process. Um, so basically, what I do is then once I start reaching out to the artists and you know make sure we're a, we're a good fit together and we get along well and I feel like some of these artists I become such great friends with them and it's, it's such this magical part of our process and it's so personal. And, you know, I'm, although, you know, we have got Bespoke which is this fairly decent sized company that, you know, I'm working directly with the artist. They don't work with any of our staff. It's just, it's really, really personal experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And they feel like they almost become part of my family. It's it's so hard to explain. Um, So basically how our process, my process normally is with an artist is generally I'll reach out to them and We'll get talking and we'll nut out ideas. And a lot of the time, I um, leave it up to the artist because I want them to be creating elements that are true to them. So I don't want to I don't want to be dictating or telling what we want. I want them to be creating what they love and what's true to them. Um, so they will create elements or illustrations or separate entities um, for us, um, which are commissions and they're licensed. Um, and then we I take those entities and those parts, and I then create I call them clusters I'm not sure what everyone else calls them but I basically take individual elements that they have provided and I create these little scenes or little clusters together and then I'll create more different clusters which are separate looks but then I'll fuse them together and I'd kind of infill in that way and so there's a lot of trust because an artist is giving me kind of their raw components and I'm then taking those and creating the final works that's the mm. majority of how I work with most the artists. Some of them are slightly different, um, but that's the majority, and that's my preference in how I how I prefer to work because I feel like that's the part that I love. You know, I love like being absolutely so lost in Photoshop and sitting here, and you know, six hours later I'm busting for a wee because I haven't moved because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm so enthralled in creating these beautiful beautiful patterns in in Photoshop. Um, So I really love the process and I think over the years I've kind of learned that that's where my real love is and it's in that pattern making and creating these beautiful, beautiful scenes and artworks and, you know, I feel like part of me is like I wish I could just churn work out, but the other part of me is like I know that if I've ever done that, it's never gone very well, whereas the work that I really put all my heart and soul into and I spend so long on it and, you know, that's that's the ones that always do the best. So I have to trust my intuition there
0: yeah well it's I, you said a few things that i find really really interesting mm. um one is so y- you've mentioned that you are um a perfectionist mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. you're and you're self-critical yeah um and it's interesting that you're so self-critical to the point to where you're you've sort of emptied your yourself in a way um emptied your own ego to say mm-hmm. i'm having these other artists do this because mm. of whatever the personal reasons are or just your love of their art mm. um i find that really interesting that that you know you're sort of so critical and so critical of yourself that you decided mm. to let you know to to seek out other artists which i think is is a wonderful quality because it means yeah. that you're, you're willing to kind of empty out your own ego for that
1: oh. um
0: that that somebody that somebody <laughs> would have you know as in their you know you take pride and 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 it's your company and it's your yeah. thing and your yeah. vision. Um, so that's, it's definitely a very interesting quality because, you know, a lot of times when people are creating their, their brand or whatever mm. it is, they want to kind of put their stamps all over it and you've sort yeah. of allowed yourself to be open to interpretation for lack of a better term that other artists are going to, are going to do their thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I find that very, very interesting and, and intriguing. Um
1: I think as well, one of the other things which I've really loved in the process and was not something which was ever in my mind that this is what we're going to do or become, but as the process has gone on, we're working with, and there hasn't been that many artists we've worked with. Like, I'm so I'm so particular, and as I said, it has to be like this instant fireworks when we start chatting, and I have to get that gut feeling that this is the right thing and this yeah. is the right person to work with. Um, but one of the things that I love, and I feel like even though we're commissioning and we're licensing and they're getting paid for us to use their works there's so much um, on-flow benefit that we give back to that artist. So I feel like I never hide away who we've used or who – it's exactly what Milton Kim does as well, which is why I loved love working with you guys. But it's like the credit always goes back to that artist. So even oh, though yeah. the the print that I'm using, even though, yeah, I've created it and the year I've spent weeks and weeks and weeks perfecting it, at the end of the day I've used a base illustration that that artist has sat there and painted or created on screen. So I'm always saying that the, the credit is back to them, you know, and I think that yes. that has then given a lot of onflow effect for those artists and I feel like some of those artists have gone on to insane, incredible, you know, it's been huge exposure for them, um, which is not, yeah. not rubbing our own bell at all, but it's just how it's naturally, naturally panned out. But it's, it's then opened up so many doors to those artists as well. So I feel like I really want to be able to use my platform to be able to grow someone else's business I guess in the way that I probably would have appreciated back in my earlier days that I was able to get that exposure through a lot of press coverage and stuff that we got back when I started because, you know, no one did letterpress and I was crazy and, you know, a lot of press found that very interesting. It's kind of old news now, but, um, you know, to be able to give my platform over to another artist for them to then, you know, launch their career off into a new trajectory that they hadn't maybe envisaged that was capable or possible for themselves, so yeah I think yeah. it's 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 magical, you know like it's such it's such a magical thing, and now I feel like because of that, I kind of don't want to make my own works that often, yeah. <laughs> because you know i i don't I don't need to rub my own bell a little bit you know like i'm I'm an old designer now i'm I'm old and tired, I don't need it you know <laughs> I, my feather's pumped up, but for someone young and upcoming, absolutely you know.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, Milton King does do a lot of the same thing where we love oh. to shine the light on the artists and, you know, and and we love to see them thrive, you know. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing. It's one of the coolest things to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so you guys get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. you get it, which is great. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um are there any designs that are currently on the site that are still from one of your original originally created designs?
1: On our website, I would have to go have a look. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, there, there would be, but as for which ones, I'd have to go through and look at them. But, okay. yeah, it's not its not that often now. I feel like I, I so much more prefer the process of working with someone else's work. And I feel like it also means that every time I am working on a new print, it's fresh and it's new and it's exciting. Yeah. Whereas my own work, it's not exciting anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, um, I did—I do understand where um, it does turn into a very sort of personal thing that you have with your artists because you are – like you said, you're, it's, anytime you're doing a creative thing together, it does become a bit, you know, it, it is personal, and, and I can see why you would see them as family almost, because
1: Absolutely. yes. there's
0: something very soul-bearing about the artistic process, and when you connect with somebody on that level, it's it very is. special.
1: And I think, I think as well for the artists, so as I'm working on prints, I always share my process with them and I let them see what I'm creating and as I'm coming with product ideas, they see all the mock-ups and so I share that whole experience with them. So I think that um, the feedback I always get from them is like they love that because to be able to see their work through a different designer's eyes you know, and to see what I've created, which is maybe not what they would have created, but to see that end outcome and see, and I guess in some ways, I almost feel like it's maybe open the doors a little bit for the artist to see that, you know, even though you're an artist and even though you're a designer and you're probably just a, you know, one person sitting at home amongst your children, you know, working on your own work, that your work is commercialized and you can you can turn that into something and you can turn that into career and. You know, you can take a beautiful design you've made and, you know, have it commercialized on multiple different products and, you know, then suddenly have your works, your your art being sold through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different stores and locations. And yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's a real I eye-opening mean, experience for the artist as
0: well. You're mentoring them in that way.
1: I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so.
0: And just so I understand, so on some of these designs, you said they're sending you the elements. So, for example, yes. they'll send you like a bird and then a you know, a tree yeah. or whatever, and you're yeah. sort of placing it and organizing yes. it into yes. the pattern.
1: Yes, yes, and that's the bit I love. That's the bit I love.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. that's. I mean, yeah, that's that's such a. I mean, such a critical, crucial part of creating the pattern itself so that's yeah uh, that's really neat i didn't realize that yeah. that was that was the process
1: yeah we mostly i was so there's a couple in there in the um, wallpaper that they had done the repeat um, mm-hmm. but yeah most most of them it's what i have put together which yeah as i said that's the bit i love
0: yeah. gives me, gives so me cool.
1: chills when i'm making them, working on prints
0: <laughs> well we're we're running out of time here and i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i did want to kind of just r- jump through a couple of these wallpaper designs sure just to briefly mention the the artist that you're working with so you got yes. Vivian is uh-huh. it is it Hassan Clever?
1: Hassan Clever, yes. She's in Luxembourg, yes.
0: Okay, where is she from? Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Okay. Yes. And she's done the ones that are they look like the the more bold colored yes. prints like sloth Yes. Yes. Parrot, yes. 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 And... So they
1: they are repeats that she has done. They're ones that I didn't do the repeats on those. Um we did okay. the colorways, but she's done the repeats. So yeah, I really liked those because I feel like it um I feel like when I create my my work, I find it hard to be so structured and to get like hers has got a very distinct repeat in them, whereas when I do my works, I tend to make the repeat a little bit more hidden, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really quite liked her work and working with her. She's gorgeous um, because I felt like it gave a little bit more of that structured repeat look, which completely suits her work. And I feel like even if I went there and trying to change it to make it feel a bit more fluid, it would not be as good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well the sloths yeah. are adorable.
1: Oh, they're so cute, aren't they? I mean I yeah.
0: anybody that looks at them is, just has uh, that, ah.
1: It's so cute. We've actually just done a greeting card um with the sloths and we've printed them in gold foil and they are adorable. <laughs>
0: oh, I bet. I'd love yeah. to see that. Yeah. Um and then you work with Nancy North. Is that how you Yes, say it?
1: Nancy, yes. I've worked with Nancy for quite a few years. So we started um our first collection we did a goodness me now, I can't remember what year it was. Was it 2019 or 2020? We did a Christmas collection together, and I love Nancy. She is just the most beautiful human on the earth. Um, we've ended up doing a lot of stuff together since because we just had this really beautiful flow, and I feel like she she would draw me individual elements and then she would just put all her faith in me to take those elements and make these beautiful designs from them. Um, so it's been a really, a really gorgeous fusion of working with Nancy. I really, really love working with her.
0: Okay, and she has done the bespoke... Um flamingos and yes. it looks like is it the herons and the primaveralina yes. crane yes
1: lots of birds and tropicals yeah
0: yeah and so is, yep. is that in sort of keeping with her style like did you absolutely. see some of these elements when you discovered her
1: absolutely yeah it was all her birds and her flowers and as I kind of said before it's almost like when I see an artist and I see what their core is so what they love to produce I kind of don't want to go to them and say you make amazing birds now draw me an elephant you know like I feel like yeah I always want to go back to what is their, what is their thing that they love? Give, give me what you love and let me turn into something that we can love together.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and then you have Hoglet and co.
1: Yes. Yes. Serena. So she's based in the UK and uh, Serena, she's the most, as I also the most beautiful human on the earth. Um, we've worked together for years and years and years together. Um, she's uh, adorable. And once again, I just feel like she gives me, she has absolute faith in what we do with her. Mm. And I feel like she provides elements and, it just lets us off go in these crazy fairylands of ideas of her work and yeah. We've made some beautiful stuff together. I really I really love working with Serena. She's gorgeous. I'd love to meet her in person.
0: Oh, have oh yeah, that, you haven't met her in person. No, it's in over the UK. The-
1: it's all just yeah. In fact, I don't even think we've even um, had like a Skype video or anything together. I feel like it's all just been online. Um but yeah, she's so weird oh, how that works. I love her. It's so it's so weird. Yeah. But the time difference makes as you know, makes things tricky and
0: Oh yep. yeah, definitely from yeah. Australia to the UK. Yeah. It's the yeah. it's polar opposites almost. Yeah. It seems like yeah, yeah. How funny! Um, the peacock has been getting a lot of good reaction. Oh, lovely! Um, yeah, people see that and immediately are um, are are taken back by the. It's beautiful, the, isn't the beauty it? beauty of that design. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. I know it's probably like picking which child you like best, but are there any sort of like standouts that you just
1: <sighs> uh, or, I or love stories them behind?
0: behind any of these that are just
1: i think there's stories behind them all (laughs) um i don't know they all feel like babies um i think probably the one which i've gravitated to the most is the prima ballerina one which is nancy Norris print
0: very classic Um, looking
1: it is so beautiful and i feel like a lot of the time my designs and what i design is very kind of subdued and calm and tranquil and i feel like probably because i live in such this hectic family life and you know business life is so busy i feel like if I surround myself with things, I need those things to calm me down rather than ramp me up. Um, so I feel like I love the prima ballerina one in the fog and the duck egg blue. Those two colours are probably my two favourite. But
0: I noticed that design beautiful. has that design has a bit more space in it than some of the others. Yes, other it
1: ones. does. It does, and it's a bit for me. It's quite repetitive, um, whereas you can kind of directly see where the repeat lands. But I really like it, and I think I'm going to probably um, wallpaper my daughter's bedroom in it because I think it's so pretty.
0: Oh, we have to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah no that I can see the the way that that's spaced is uh, mm. yeah it's, it's but I suppose the use of space empty space is just as important as Absolutely. The in
1: it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think especially when those background colors are so beautiful you know it gives mm-hmm. them space to shine.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um what's what's next for you what what do you have coming up?
1: Oh. It's been busy, Chris. Um, we are – I've been flat out in – so for us, stationary Christmas period is our biggest period of time of the year. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like we work for, you know, 90% of the year for the 10% of the end of the year where it's Christmas and everything sells like crazy. Um, yeah. So working on Christmas, working at an incredible um, American-based artist for our Christmas range this year. I can't tell you who it is yet, but she's amazing. Okay. Um, so we're working on that at the moment. That's all kind of in print at the moment, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, new store which we're hoping opening later this year lots of new um lots of new different product directions i think we're trying to head at the moment i feel like we've oh, kind of got our our bread and butter core products that we produce but it's i don't know i feel like coming up with something new is kind of what excites me so i feel like i kind mm-hmm. of don't want to always do the same formulas over and over again so coming up with new products but then we've got <laughs> we've got products on our on our website and our warehouse is like we've got two warehouses now because they're overflowing That's so big a stock um but yes trying to tame in my ideas can be a challenge
0: do you um <laughs> primarily source everything and do everything in australia or do you, or do you have to
1: it, it depends it's hard manufacturing is hard in australia so the things that we can't print ourselves i try and get them printed in australia where i can but that being said not everything is possible to manufacture in Australia just because we don't have the manufacturing, you know, capacity in Australia, sadly. And I feel like we're so isolated from the rest of the world that there's so many things that you just can't do here. Um, Mm. So some things we do have to get made overseas, and it also helps keep the margins achievable as well. I think that um, although margins on everything in the last couple of years have have skyrocketed, which makes everything hard. Um, yeah. But it's, it's that's kind of balance, and I feel like there's a balance between the works which we print or the works we have printed for us here in Sydney or the works that we need to get printed overseas, and it kind of can then cross balance to make the margins overall into something that still keeps us afloat, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's kind of you have to lose a little bit on the stuff you own make to win on the stuff that you don't make to try and make this, you know, crazy business actually work. Yeah. And continue.
0: Well, it's all very exciting, and um, I'm definitely interested in, in hearing all about what's coming up in terms of the new product lines oh, and thank uh, you. new artists, and, yeah, it sounds like thank there's you. a lot happening as if you weren't busy enough.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm so excited we finally got wallpaper, though, so excited. I feel like it's been something that we've been wanting to do for so many years, so, so many years, and so many people would come to us and say, can you please just make wallpaper? Like, this print is beautiful, just put it on a wall. Yeah. So thrilled. I mean, I know that it's been a long process with working Economilton and Kin because it's took us so long to get the works together and um everything happening, but you know, I it's just I'm absolutely chuffed and I couldn't I couldn't ask for a better partnership to be creating our wallpaper for us. So absolutely yeah, we, thrilled.
0: We got there eventually and yeah. um and no, it's it's great and I'm I'm sure um you know, now that people are having their getting their samples and things and and more people are hearing about it, they're going to You'll definitely start seeing some photos rolling. Oh, of the, I'm so
1: excited! Have so their excited. homes with these
0: designs all over. So yeah, uh, very, very exciting.
1: Very exciting. Super excited for us.
0: Well, amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to um, talk with me for a bit. Oh, you're and, welcome. It was um, lovely to chat. Yeah, it was. It was definitely interesting hearing all about you know just the whole start of the letterpress and everything. It's such a fascinating, fascinating history, and and it's so cool that you've revived all of that and and grown it into what what you have now and and just all the all the sort of turns and stuff and twists and turns that you've had in 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 getting going i think it's inspirational for oh thank you other people starting their businesses a lot of hard work yeah hard work yeah yeah amazing well thank you so much um enjoy the rest of your day and um hopefully we'll get a chance to connect again soon
1: wonderful thanks chris it's been fun